Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with the host Emma Falova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavez, The Low Ledger, and Nikki Mitchell. Today, I will be chatting with author Nikki Mitchell, who will announce the details of her book giveaway of Nightshade Forest at the end of the interview. Nikki is the American author of the middle grade portal fantasy trilogy, Eleanor Mason's literary adventures, and an upcoming series, The Magic Shoebox Adventures. She's a native, sorry, <laughs> she's a native of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and a proud member of the UP Publishers and Authors Association. Those were long sentences. <laughs> Hello, Nikki. How are you on this hot summer day? I am doing great. How are you? Good, good. What is it like in the UP? Well, it varies day by day. Yesterday, we had tornado warnings and a storm that knocked out our power for most of the day. Today, it is hot and humid. Same story here in the Lower Peninsula in West Michigan. Okay, let's talk about your book, Nightshade Forest. What is this magic portal? Well, Eleanor, my main character, gets a magic fairy tale book from her father for Christmas. And when she starts to read the first line, it transports her into the fairy tale as the main character. So the book is the portal. Um, it portals her in. She lands in the middle of the nightshade forest um, as a fairy named Pix. Hey, how did this transformation come about? She just went uh, through a change or was it through yeah. that magic portal? It was through the magic portal. One minute she was sitting on her couch with her parents on Christmas morning about to dive into this book with them. And the next minute she lands in the forest. Um, so yeah, what is so. she like? Tell us about her. Who did you model her after or tell us all about her? All right. Well, Eleanor is very much like I was as a kid, um, more interested in the worlds of books than the world that we that I was living in it's I'm still the same way but as a kid I often found adventure in the books and I always wished that I could travel into the books that I had because wouldn't that be amazing to be a main character in the stories you read so she has the curiosity of Alice from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland that's her favorite book um, and that's okay. one that she's modeled after um, and she just has the characteristics of a curious child. All righty. What about your supporting or Eleanor's supporting characters, Elfie and Milo? So Elfie and Milo were a whole lot of fun to write. Um, Elfie started out, she was supposed to be this timid fairy. And then as I wrote her, she got a big voice and some attitude. So she... Um, uh she is very much do loves adventures loves getting herself into trouble um and milo is the complete opposite he's a planner um he holds all the the maps in the kingdom um so when elfie wants to go on an adventure she breaks into milo's safe and steals his maps um so they're complete polar opposites but they're best friends 
And so Eleanor goes on this adventure to save the kingdom with them. And she's kind of torn, like, do I follow the rules like Milo or do we get things done like Elfie? And so she builds this friendship with both of them that's unique because of how different their personalities are. How were they different from her? Obviously she came from a different world into this magical kingdom. What were they like, I mean, physical wise? Well, um, Elfie had long flowing silver hair, um, fairy wings, and mm -hmm. um, she wore a gown, but all of the um, fairies had um, hooded capes um, because fairy hoods concealed them, so, which was important in their adventure. Um, Milo was a fairy, but he liked to hang out with the humans of the kingdom. So he dressed and acted more like the humans and the queen's guards than he did a fairy. Okay, so you have this combination of humans and fairies, right? Yep. And they get themselves into all sorts of trouble. What kind of creatures do they have to fight off? Well, there are wolves in the forest. Um, so they've got wolves, they've got the gargoyles, um, which are supposed to stay put on the uh, castle walls, but because of the stolen crystal in the book, everything goes um, bonkers. And so they've got to come out, these gargoyles come after them as well. Um, and then they also have magicians that have turned to the dark side. And so um, they've got Yep, they've got enchanted wolves, gargoyles, and magicians. Cool. <laughs> Tell us about the search for that magic crystal that will help them get back with us humans. Right. Um, so when Eleanor lands in um, the Nightshade Kingdom, the whole kingdom is, like I said, bonkers because the queen controls a crystal which controls the kingdom and the crystal has been stolen. So she has no, the power that she has to control the kingdom is gone. And so the salmon are turning lime green, it's snowing everywhere um, and everything is just goofy. So Eleanor figures out quickly that in order to get back home, she has to make it to the happily ever after because that's every hero's journey. And so she works with Elfie and Milo and they go in and take Milo's maps um, of the kingdom and they befriend a really grumpy dwarf named Mamet um, who does not want to help them, but will because the state of the kingdom which he lives in is in their hands. Um, and they, they travel through the enchanted forest, which is full of, like I said, the mean creatures and they figure out who has it. I'm not going to give a spoiler. Um, right. And they return to the queen because they need her help and her guards. So towards the end of the book, it's everybody full army is going to get this crystal back. And you have these dark woods with glowing blue and purple trees. How did you come up with that idea? I love the combo of glowing blue and purple trees in a forest. I want one like this here. Right, me too. Um, so I am from the UP, born and raised up here. We have so much natural forest and it's the trees are taller than anything mm -hmm. you can imagine up here. 
And I spent a lot of time as a kid walking in the woods with my grandpa and now with my own kids and my husband. And so I'm like, I was walking through one day and I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if these were like enchanted woods? And I got mm-hmm. started to think about what that would mean. And I'm like, it would be really cool if they glowed blue and purple. Like that yeah. would be gorgeous. So I can just see them right in front of me. I want to be there. Is it cool in there? It is cool in there. Okay. What inspired this book? Well, I, I always put my creative writing on the back burner um, because I was told when I went to school for English writing that it was something that wouldn't be a good career. So instead I focused on journalism and kind of just put the creative stuff on the back burner until my husband had gotten master class and he told me that there were writing classes on there too. I'm like, okay, well, maybe that'll be fun. And I saw that there was one by R.L. Stein. And I grew up reading Goosebumps books uh-huh. and loved R.L. Stein. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll take it. It'll be fun. And as soon as I went through the class, I'm like, now I've got to write a middle grade book because this sounds fun. And Eleanor just popped into my head one day and I was like, okay, I'm going to tell her story. Okay. What were some of the challenges in writing this book? Um, I am a stay-at-home mom Mm -hmm. um, of two and I homeschool. Um, So I have a six and an eight-year-old that I homeschool. And I decided to write and publish this at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Um, So I wrote over half of it with my son on my lap. Um, And then I published during a global pandemic. So I think um, marketing it, getting it out there was difficult because I had, I couldn't go to any shows or anything like that. We were all, you know, at home and also having my my kids home, you know, the interruptions every five minutes. Um, But those were my biggest challenges. How long did it take you to write this book from the initial idea to the final product on the marketplace? I started writing in October of 2019 and I published it in June of 2020. What sets you apart from other authors in your genre? Um, I think it's the feel of the books. Um, These ones were published in 1945, which a lot of, um, or not published, they were set in 1945 instead of present day children's books. Um, And then I made sure that they they felt like the the older books. So the map in it is hand-drawn by my uncle because he used to draw my children's uh, treasure maps as a kid. Oh, that's and I want, cool. So I wanted him to draw the maps in my books. I wanted to share that with mm-hmm. my readers. Um, but I think mostly it was um, the date that it was set in because I didn't want Eleanor to have the distractions of technology. I didn't want okay. her to have a cell phone. Didn't want her to have a computer. Didn't want her to have an iPad. Um, oh, poor kid. She was in that <laughs> fairy tale world without a cell phone. Exactly. So I think that that's what sets me apart is that I don't, um, I try not to bring that into the books um, that I'm writing, even though that they are for children in a world where most of the kids that are reading my books have those things. 
What are the major takeaways from Nightshade for us? Um, that books and libraries are magical places that everybody should visit. Often. What have you learned about yourself from writing this book? Um, that I shouldn't have put my creative writing on the back burner. Yep. Um, that I wish that I would have done this a lot sooner than I had because um, I think when, as people who have creative talents um, or aspirations, instead of being afraid and being like, no, that's not going to do me any good. I'm going to put that aside and focus on what's going to make you money or what's, you know, whatever the reasons are, um, is not always a good thing because we could have shared these things with the world a whole lot sooner. I agree 100%. A lot of authors say this. What do you feel you did right? Um, that I went indie. Um, I had a lot of people tell me that my books were not real books um, and that they would never make it in libraries. And you know, you know the drill. Um, I do. <laughs> and, we all do. <laughs> and I decided not to listen and I went mm -hmm. indie. Good. And because of that, my daughter is a silhouette on the covers. My uncle drew the maps and I was able to um, really push this out. And they are in libraries. And so um I'm glad I think by not listening to the the voices really helped get my books out there what would you have done differently now from perspective and retrospective is there anything at all that you would have done different with Nightshade Forest um I would have had beta readers. Um, I okay. didn't learn the importance of beta reading until um, my second one in the, in the trilogy. Um, so I wish that I would have had, I wish I would have had a beta reader um, for Nightshade Forest. Mm -hmm. What is the funniest or most bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event? The most bizarre. I'm going to go with that one. I was at um, a vendor event and it wasn't just for books. So um, I was among many crafters and, um, and things like that. And I had a little girl come towards my table and her parents called her away um, very strictly and said, come over here. We don't read books. Oh, wow. <laughs> And I sat there puzzled because I'm like, oh, oh, okay, they don't read books. Okay, uh, to each their own. But it was the weirdest thing that I've ever had somebody say, and they didn't say it to me. They completely avoided any eye contact with me whatsoever. So it was very bizarre. That's incredible. <laughs> That's, I find that hard to believe. Uh, I sat there stunned, I really did. Okay, what is next for Nikki in 2022? Well, I just sent off the first book in my new series, The Magic Shoebox um, Adventures, to my beta readers. And I'm really excited about that one because it is fashioned like the Magic Treehouse books in that they can be read as standalones, but they're all part of the same 
mm -hmm. world. Um, and there's ADHD representation in it. Um, and dragons, my son told me that Eleanor's books were too girly and he needed dragons. So um, that was- I love dragons. Yep. So you have dragons in there. Yep, and I have um, the grandma dragon. She's she's a lot of fun in there. Um, but yeah, that went out to my betas um, two days ago and that'll be published in February of 2023. Excellent. Would you like to read to us, Nikki? Yes, I would love to. All right. And I'm going to read from chapter four because that's when things really get going. Um, Eleanor is already in um, the Nightshade Forest. And chapter three ends with a loud roaring filling the air. Oh, so, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. Eleanor jumped and Elfie grabbed her satchel. They ran back to the village, which happened to be the most extraordinary place ever, in Eleanor's opinion. The trees stopped right before the village gate, which had wrought iron swirls filled with jewels. The houses in the town were all built as A-frames and covered in snow. Eleanor hadn't noticed any snow in the forest, but Elfie explained on the way that snow didn't fall in the forest because it was enchanted. The sky was enchanted too, which is why it was always dark. The rest of the kingdom, including the main village, was also enchanted to be always daylight. But since the crystal was missing, the magic was all out of order and the forest would probably start filling with snow too. Wreaths hung on the door of every home. Although the snow was only supposed to stay on the rooftops and yards and never on the cobblestone streets or walkways, the disorder had caused the snow to fill the streets too. Shop owners were out with large brooms trying to clear paths. How did they get the snow to fall only in certain areas before, Eleanor asked. It had been enchanted that way ever since a dwarf slipped and fell one winter, Elfie explained. So the queen had put a special spell on the snow and it obeyed. It has been like this for a long time. Dwarves, fairies, and goblins walked the streets heading in and out of shops. Eleanor looked around in awe. The place was amazing. Her admiration of the whole village quickly ended when the roar rang through the air again. Eleanor jumped. The sound was much closer. Roar. She covered her ears and hid behind a large lamppost. Elfie rushed up behind her. Look, I know you're not really picks, but you've got magic and you're the only one that can light the torch that will scare the giants away. You're the only one that can get on top of that library. You need to go now or they will crush everything. Eleanor started running, but she was very confused. She looked around for the library. The roaring continued to get closer and she clapped her hands back over her ears. Picks had an interesting job in this place. First beavers, now giants. She continued to run down the street until she found a huge brick building with an elegant sign that said library. Uncovering her ears, she pulled the door open. Her jaw dropped when she saw what was inside. There were books on shelves that went from the floor all the way to the ceiling. Eleanor couldn't even see walls, just books everywhere. The shelves were gold and the matching ladders adorned with jewels were floating around, waiting to be needed. She heard the books calling her and started toward the closest shelf when she heard a cough behind her. She turned around to see where the cough came from. A large creature covered in hair with soft pointed ears sat behind a large mahogany desk. Well, it's about time, Picks. These giants are giving me a migraine, he said. Eleanor smiled shyly and remembered why she was there in the first place. Elfie had told her she needed to get to the clock tower on the roof and light some torch, and then the giants would stop trying to squash the village. She needed to figure out how she was going to get up to the roof. She was supposed to know this, so she couldn't just come out and ask the furry guy behind the desk. He looked up from the books she was, he was stamping and shook his head. Go, the elevator's that way, he yelled. Of course, there was an elevator, Eleanor thought. For a second, she'd wondered if 
she would have to ride all the floating ladders up to the roof, and that just reminded her of the fire escapes from the tallest buildings back home. She ran toward the elevator and pushed the highest number she could find, 24. Eleanor's stomach lurched at each floor, and she was so relieved when she saw her number glow on the panel. The door opened to a cobblestone bridge that connected the elevator landing to the rest of the roof. Eleanor stepped out and looked around. She gasped. Thank you. Nice. Can you announce the details of your book giveaway of Nightshade Forest? Yes. Um, so I'm going to be giving away a signed copy of Nightshade Forest, and it'll also have um, got a little magnetic character bookmark and um, some character art of Elfie and Milo as well. So uh, I believe you'll share my email address in the post. No, I... the first person who emails you yep. with the podcast giveaway subject line will win a signed copy of your yep. book. So if you could give your email. Yep, my email is Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L dot M dot Nikki, N-I-K-K-I at gmail.com. All right. And now parting shots from each one of us. Nikki, you first. You're my guest. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me on here and um, chatting with you about Nightshade Forest and Eleanor. And my parting shots, buy indie, read indie, and write indie. And read your local newspaper for inspiration. Support your local authors like Nikki Mitchell. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Enjoy summer. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.